You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Go Wild. Now, as we all know, Go Wild is one of the fastest growing and most popular social media apps specifically for outdoorsmen, hunting, fishing, and so forth and so on. But recently, they have announced a partnership with Garmin Connect IQ app. Now, what this does, this is like an integration between both platforms. The Go Wild community members will have the ability to track and share robust digital stories ranging from automated archery shot counts, miles hiked, you know, whatever you do throughout the hunt, like scout, put up your tree stand. And this is the cool thing, biometric data collecting. Now, what, what that is, is let's say it's your heart rate. And it will track your heart rate, everything from when you see the big buck, as the big buck gets closer and closer, your heart rate starts to go up, you draw back, you shoot the deer, and then the deer runs away, and the app records all that, and you're you're able to see what your heart rate is throughout this entire process, and I think that's really cool, uh, along with all the other benefits and features of Go Wild, like tracking and documenting your hunt. So go to the website, timetogowild.com, or you can download the Go Wild app wherever you download your apps. So get outside. It's time to go wild. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, the home for those looking for expertise and inspiration on all things Western big game hunting. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 34, where we talk with Joe Wilson about the modern technology evolution of hunting. Hello, and welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, hosted on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Thanks again for tuning in. If you haven't subscribed, go to sportsmansnation.com and your email because we're going to be starting up some newsletters and all kinds of cool content coming out for 2019, short videos and uh, all sorts of different topics, a podcast, different categories, really, really exciting stuff. So go to sportsmansnation.com. You could subscribe there and then subscribe to the podcast as well. Um, I'm going to be coming out with my own RSS feed, the Transition Wild podcast, so you can find me a little easier on iTunes and Stitcher and and all that good stuff. So I'll let you know when that comes out. And uh, definitely appreciate the support. If you're planning your 2019 elk hunt, go to transitionwild.com, subscribe, and I'll send you the beginner Colorado elk hunting guide for free. Essentially, it's a 10-page guide that kind of gets you started with scouting, where to hunt, when to hunt, gear you need, and tactic strategies, and, and most important, inspiration. So uh, go to transitionwild.com, subscribe. I will send you the Colorado Beginner Elk Hunting Guide for free. Speaking of elk hunting and deer hunting for 2019, tis the season here at the start of the year where we're starting to think about our 2019 hunts. And if you listen to the last episode with John Mulligan on antelope hunting, I kind of pitched and not necessarily pitched. Well, yeah, it's a sales pitch. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But... Um, I helped my buddy's dad with his hunting camp here in Southwest Colorado, and I kind of went into detail on that. I'll probably I'll probably send something out to my email list as well. But essentially, for six hundred twenty-five dollars a person, for group minimum, you can rent the cabins 
that I've hunted out of. That's where I brought Dan Johnson of the Nine Finger Chronicles to hunt last last year. We had a great time. You can hunt there as well. For $625 a person, you get a week stay at the cabins. It's a private road. You're hunting public land. There's no it's not a it's not an outfitting service. It's not guided at all. It just gives you such an advantage. It's it's access surrounded by essentially a million acres of public land that you can walk anywhere off the property. And uh, it's such an advantage because the property sits at 10,200 feet. So you don't have to go as far. You got all the accommodations of a, a nice cozy bed and uh, a nice place to, to make food. And it's just comfortable living. So if you don't want to spend the money and go out and do a backcountry hunt and get the tents and all that gear, you can book the cabin for $625 a person. And it's a pretty sweet spot. I killed my bull there a couple years ago. We had some great encounters last year. We had other hunters in camp that killed. We have mule deer hunters that go in there for archery season, and they do really well. Um, Just a great, great spot to be, and it's one of the most beautiful areas of southwest Colorado. So highly recommend it. If you are interested, send me an email to adam at transitionwild.com, or you can go fill out the contact page on my website, and just title the email or the message Hunt Camp, and we can continue the conversation. If you're interested in more information, p- potentially booking a hunt, not a hunt, a stay, you can uh, contact me there. If you want to check a little bit more out about the cabins, you can go to lifetimeadventuresllc.com. There's some additional photographs and info on that site. So again, that is it. If, if you're looking for a little bit more detail on the cabins, go back an episode to Antelope Hunting with John Mulligan. I cover it more in detail there. All right. Well, let's not wait any longer. I've, I've, I just recorded this podcast with my buddy Joe Wilson. He's been on the show before, and I always enjoy talking with him. He's, me and him have always been on the same page of a lot of topics. We go on um, a number of out-of-state hunting trips together. And just a really, really good friend. So I had him on the on the show today just to talk about all things kind of evolutionary in the technology world of hunting. Cell trail cameras, scent elimination, bait, you know, different different things like lighted sights, knocks, all that stuff. And we kind of cover a wide range of the evolution of hunting all centered around technology. So that's kind of what today's episode's about. It's kind of a BS session, but we dive into a lot of different topics that that go into the technology side of hunting and, and kind of where we see things going. So let's not wait any longer. Let's get Joe Wilson on the line. Is this your second time or, or third time on the show? I can't remember. It's my second Ooh. it was supposed to be my third but um if you remember i went on that uh, early season trip out to kansas with me and my brothers my dad and everybody and we were supposed to do a podcast uh after that trip <laughs> but the trip was a gigantic bust so <laughs> we didn't end up doing it <laughs> yeah that's right we had it scheduled for then and you let me down but that's okay Hey, hey, hey. Well, I definitely did, but there was like five or six of us, so everybody let you down. That's tough, man. I'll, I'll take like 15% of the blame. Dude, it was a rough trip, man. But I mean, it was still a lot of fun, but when it's 93 degrees and above for a high every single day, it's that's some tough hunting. So. Oof. Now, did you, did you guys see a lot of hunters out there during that first muzzleloader? No. 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 Um, 
when I was actually hunting, I think I saw one or two. Um, talked to a real nice gentleman from Louisiana that was uh, staying in one of the cabins near us. And he ended up actually shooting a nice buck last night. He was there. But, um, no, didn't see a lot of hunters, but didn't see a lot of deer either. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's tough. And regardless, it's still fun to get out there and, you know, go on the trip, especially with your family and everybody. That's, that's pretty cool. That's a good memory. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we, uh, we had a great time. Um, I mean, we saw some shooter bucks. I never saw anything. I don't even think I saw a horn the whole week. But uh, um, a couple of my brothers, they saw some real nice bucks. Just never got a shot at them. It was either, you know, too dark or too far, you name it. So Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Uh, yeah, so I was, I was just thinking the other day. Well, I guess we'll get into kind of how I came up with this conversation. But I thought I thought you would be good because you're very opinionated. And you can debate a lot of things. <laughs> Not that I think this is going to be a debate. You know, Ouch! But... <laughs> we're starting off that way, man. All right, we're going to. Well, fight. you are. You are good. I've 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 always thought you're very a good. Uh, what's the right? You're you're very persuasive, I guess. In in your in I'm your a, wording. I'm, I'm a master debater. Is what I like to <laughs> yes, go with. The master, <laughs> the master debater. But no, I thought it'd be fun because uh, you know, just like I've just been thinking about a lot about like technology and how hunting is evolving and and i don't know i just thought it'd be fun to get you on the show and talk about that stuff yeah for sure i mean i'm always game chat about hunting and technology or what have you but i mean i've tried to tone it down a bit because i know i have been very opinionated in the past but um (laughs) i'm always up for a good debate i like playing devil's advocate a lot even when i don't necessarily believe something so yeah all good yeah, so I, th- I think I'm going to title this, well, like what I sent you in the email today, like kind of more of the, it's the modern evolution of hunting. And like, and with that, it's kind of like tech- technology is a huge part of that and how hunting has evolved, whether it's accessories or GPS or trail cameras or, you know, electronic devices on your bow, like all that stuff. It's just, we're in this kind of huge state of transition, so to speak of kind of the old ways that our parents knew to now like this modern digital technologically advanced hunting world. So I don't know. It's kind of all the above. So, yeah, uh, there's no escaping it really. And at this point in time, I don't, (laughs) I fail to know one single person that hasn't been changed by the new technology that's come out. I'm sure there's guys out there that are still flint napping and, making their own arrows and bows, but you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're a, a hunter nowadays, you're somehow affected by this for sure. And even if you're not using it, the other hunters in the woods are. Yeah. Yeah. It's always the next mouse trap, And, and, uh, yep. you know, kind of what I, I've been thinking about this for a while, but what really kind of sparked it to be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do something on, on this topic of like hunting and technology. And, and we'll get into some of the specifics here in a bit, but I was on, I was on Facebook, like I spend, you know, I spend about eight hours a day on Facebook scrolling away. 90% of your life, I'd, I'd estimate. <laughs> I, was, I was on Facebook and I saw a video, I followed this one um, TV show on there and it's kind of like a web series or whatever and the show came on and I started watching it and he basically kind of dove into, he, he was going out this this one morning it was a rifle hunt and he was going out in the morning and before dark he got a picture on his phone 
of a buck that went in front of the cell camera. And he, and he states, he's completely honest on the TV show. He, he states that, Hey, I was going to this other spot. I was planning on hunting this other area, but I got the text and saw that trail camera picture of that buck and it completely changed where I went. So obviously he went to that spot and then he ended up killing that deer that same day. So I was just like, man, like, is what, what is like, not that there's necessarily anything illegal with it, but like, is that going too far? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, I don't know. I just, I, it, to me, it was like, holy shit. Like we've really gotten to that point in hunting that, you know, we're going off of trail cameras and cell cameras and, you know, changing our day to day hunts based on that info. It's kind of, kind of wild. It's very wild. It's, very next stage stuff you know you mentioned our dads and their dads out hunting just imagine trying to talk to them 20 30 years ago explaining that there's going to time there's going to be a time where you're literally going to have this device a little computer with a screen that you can carry around with you that will give you up-to-date information about where animals are at this very moment yeah yeah it's just kind of crazy and you know it just begs the question is that really hunting yeah or are, are you simply just picking out an animal and then going and shooting it? Is it, is yeah. it closer to farming? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll get into the whole like farming aspect because that's one of our kind of topics and, 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 you know, as far as like luring game or tweaking their movements and, you know, all that stuff with food plots and, and hinge cutting and all that stuff. But like, and, and, and it, it's not necessarily right or wrong in any degree. Uh, it's everyone's, kind of version of what they want hunting to be and um you know there's always the debate of oh, crossbows versus compound bows and compound versus traditional oh you use a traditional i use a freaking spear to you know that's cheating if you use a traditional bow like there's always that next kind of level up i just man i just feel like at some point it's like you said it's going to get closer to farming or <laughs> picking out the animal you see on your phone because you got a live update from Onyx Maps about where this elk is and you're going to go in there. You know, I don't know. It's just crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy. I agree. I mean, where does it stop? Are we going to start putting tracking devices in these animals? And, you know, maybe one guy says, well, yeah, I don't use the tracking device 24 hours a day. I only have it shoot me updates, you know, every 12 hours. So, you know, I get a general idea of the animals hanging out in my property yet. And then you got another guy coming saying, Oh, I just get an update once a week. You know what I mean? It's just like, well, maybe they'll start drawing the line at like when they know where the animals at. And I don't know. It's just, it's very interesting. It begs a lot of good questions. And as you said, it's tough to say what the right answer is, but, uh, I bet you every single hunter you talk to has got an opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, just because we're already on this t- subject, I mean, trail cameras changed the, the game of hunting in a huge way. I mean, I didn't – I started using – we pretty much had trail cameras around since me and you first started hunting. But back then it was – I mean, I remember having a trail camera with film in it, you know, and having to, <laughs> having to go take it to the freaking <laughs> store and get it developed, you know. How inconvenient was that? And then, then you – then we upgraded to, to SD cards and everything's digital. So then you weren't as concerned on, you know, maybe where you placed your camera and you could check it more often. And then now we're at this, this era of cellular trail cameras where you're getting real time data, you know, and real time information of if something walks in front of your tree stand or wherever you have that camera at, you know, exactly 
where he's at, or at least a good, good vicinity. And, um, I don't know what's, what's your whole take on the thing? Like I, cause, cause trail cameras are, are certainly, uh, you know, a next level up compared to where we used to be without them, but you still had to go out there and check the card and, and you couldn't always get it real time. Now it is. What's, what's your whole take on it? Hey, are we potting right now? You didn't really give me an introduction or anything. We kind of just started talking. You, you've already been introduced, but if you want to talk about your, you know, background and your life and all that stuff, we no, can no, do no, that. no, nothing like that. I just want to make sure I don't, I don't want to be giving in the good stuff right now if, if we're not potting. But all right, first, I just want to say this because I just know what our topics are and how people react when these things are brought up and people give their opinions. So the first thing I jotted down when I was taking notes is what you're about to hear is all opinions. It's going to be from me and I'm sure from Adam. Yep. And for some reason, our society has decided that if someone has an opinion that you don't like, that you have to hate them, you have to insult them, you have to send them messages telling them how stupid they are. <laughs> so I just wanted to start out by saying I'm going to try to keep an open mind about a lot of these topics. And I just hope everyone else does, you know. And, you know, if you have like a, a valid reason why you think we're wrong. Like I'm more than happy to have people send Adam emails so that he can read them. <laughs> um, you know, nobody's experience is exactly alike. It's always nice to hear another side of the argument. So I guess what I'm saying is I welcome that, but just for anybody who's listening, the five people who probably listen to this, just keep an open mind. All right. So trail cameras, <laughs> exactly. I think we could literally spend an entire hour on this if we wanted to. There's so many different facets of trail cameras. So Here's my personal opinion. Trail cameras are awesome if you use them correctly, right? Like you were saying, you're able to like see deer. You can see where they came from, where they're going, the time of day. Shoot, mine has like the weather, all these things. That's amazing information to have. Um, you know, and you're able to kind of log deer growth from year to year. They're uh, very easily, uh, the usability is amazing. You can keep an eye out for trespassers. Um, you know, if, as long as you understand why the deer is coming to that certain point, it can kind of help educate you about, you know, why are deer using an area and things like that. Um, my wife actually brought up a good point. My parents bought some property that's about three hours away. You know, with these cell phone trail cameras or cell trail cameras, um, you're able to scout from extremely long distances. Shoot, you can have, I can have cameras over by Adam, you know, 12 hours away. No, I'm going to find them. <laughs> yeah, you probably will. And I'm going to have pictures of Adam's butt all over him. But uh, point being, you know, you're able to scout from who knows how far, you know, as long as you get a cell signal. So that is amazing. But there's always a but, right, with everything. It calls into question, especially when you've got cell cameras that are all linked up together. Say you got 40 of them on a property. They're all linked together, sending you real-time information to your phone. And you're that guy who gets a picture and goes and kills that buck. Is that fair chase? You know, are yeah. you really given that animal ample opportunity to not get killed today? If you have like 40 cameras, that's like, Oh, at six 30, he was there and at seven 30, he was there. You know, oh, it looks like he went in there to bed. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. That's, that's tough. And then, um, of course there's like a lack of reception, you know, you gotta have, um, your cell reception. And the one thing I worry about is that it's not really, causing people to have to learn how to like read sign, read terrain, um, do kind of like your summer scouting, setting up with binoculars, things like that. Because all you're doing is just like, yeah, I'm just setting up my trail camera over here. And if something big walks by, I'll set up a tree stand. If not, I'll keep moving my camera. Um, and then my main beef with 
trail cam usage would be, I just feel like people use them too much and it's actually ruining the hunting for them. And what yeah. I mean is people are checking them too often. You're leaving too much scent going in and out. You're disturbing deer because you're probably putting them in areas where um, deer are moving during daylight. And uh, so going in and out, you're bumping them without even knowing it. So I just think guys don't realize kind of the damage they're doing. Um, me personally, I keep trail cameras on the very outer edges of the property I hunt that I can literally drive my truck up to and check them. I only check them in the middle of the day. And at most, not during the rut, I'm checking them every two to three weeks. And during the rut, I'll check them maybe once a week. I wear hip waders going in. I try to go in and out as fast as I can. So that's my opinion on trail cameras. I know that was really long-winded, but like I said, I just feel like this is a yeah. There's, there's so many different things to think about. So what do you got, Adam? Yeah. I mean, like my whole thing, I mean, there's, there's already States, especially out here in the West. I can't remember if it's like Wyoming or Idaho, but there's States actually considering, or it might even be in place right now where you can't use trail cameras during the actual hunting season. You can use them all the way up to, you know, during your scouting, but anytime there's a big game hunting season going on, you're not supposed to have trail cameras. This is public lands, obviously. Um, I believe it could be private as well, but, um, I don't know. I just, I think where it crosses the line for me is that is, is with the cell cameras and using them as a tool to locate game in real time. I think that in, in not saying that for somebody else, it's not that big of an issue. Cell cameras make a, a lot of sense. I mean, we use them up at Danny's cabin up there for security reasons we we've actually caught people going in there and you know dealt with that accordingly and sometimes an elk or a deer will walk in front of it but it's it's not real it's not anything that they're right like on the gates and right by the right by the cabins they're not anything that we actually use for hunting itself and if you lived out of state or a long ways away it's it's a huge scouting tool and it and, and it allows you to do it while you're gone the issue I have is that if you're actually using it as real time data during the hunting season to pursue game, that's where I'm like drawing the line. Like, ah, I don't know. That's, that's kind of, that's too far for me. That, that's, that's my take on it. Yeah. And the, the way I use trail cameras, honestly, is to just get an inventory of kind of what I got running around, not only like bucks. Um, cause I try to, you know, target bucks are at least three and a half years old here in Michigan but also trying to get an idea of like your buck to doe ratio, you know, which I think right now is so out of whack in Michigan. It's not even funny. And on a more micro level at my brother's property, uh, it's still very out of whack. And we can see that when you go through a thousand pictures and you know, over 800 of them are just does. And some people may say, well, yeah, maybe it's just cause bucks aren't frequent in that area. I mean, you're talking about months of data though, that we've collected at mm -hmm. multiple sites. So, you know, it can really help with management plans as well. So there's definitely a lot of positives, but yeah, I would, yeah, I don't know. I guess, yeah, as you yeah, said, during the season, especially, I think it can get people in a lot of trouble um, as far as ruining their spots, but also, you know, bringing into the question of like, is this really hunting or are you getting too much help for it to be considered? So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, it's a, it's a big, it's a big issue and it, it kind of brings into light. Is it fair chase? You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. It's, it's a weird time. And then, and then you get into like, you know, especially out here in the West where you got these vast amount of areas. I mean, I've heard of people using drones, um, you know, to, to fly over and, 
and even people like some of these big ranches or whatever, they'll, they'll fly planes over and, you know, see where the herd's at and they'll come back and, and, and land. And it's just like, well, it's, I don't know. Again, it's, it's all about, is it, is it going too far with, with skimping or, you know, touching that line of fair chase or not. And I think in a lot of aspects, drones, cell cameras and, and flyovers, that's, that's a, that's a little much. And, and for me, I don't, I don't think I would ever do it for somebody else. Hey, whatever makes you happy and whatever, you know, it's all about what, what makes you happy and what, um, you want it to be. And for me, that's just not it. I, I think all of that stuff is a little too far in my book. The other thing you got to keep in mind too, is other people, you can be ruining other people's hunts by using yeah. things, especially like sure. a drone. I mean, out West, you can imagine, say you and I are up on a hill and we're glassing and we spot a nice bowl. We're like, all right, you know, it's going to take us an hour to get over there. And on the way over, all of a sudden we see a drone go zipping through the sky and go right above the elk, kind of spook the elk or bump them off. Or, you know, drone comes in, flies back out. All of a sudden you see some guy racing over there on a squad that beats <laughs> us to it just because he saw it on the drone or you know, using even trail cameras, man. If someone's got all their trail cameras linked up and say they're on like public land and nice buck walks by and you're in your tree stand and you see it, all of a sudden, 15 minutes later, you got Elmer Fudd (laughs) trudging through the swamp, making all sorts of noise because he just got a picture. I mean, in some cases, you're going to be ruining other people's hunts. So it's not just about if it makes you happy. You got to keep taking into account, am I ruining other hunters' hunts as well? Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, and drones might already be illegal. I'm pretty sure they are as far as like using I think they it are for, in most states, for, yeah. for hunting purposes. But like there's also a lot of gray areas too. I mean, it's like, well, somebody could be shooting footage for a TV show that they have a, you know, permit for, um, you know, and that maybe they're doing some B-roll footage or whatever. I don't know. Like that, had, that has to happen. You know it does. Um, it's just – it's just kind of, it's a, it's a wild west, man. It's crazy. Well, yeah. And what if I'm like doing one of my favorite pastimes in the woods and dropping one of my hunting deuces <laughs> and all of a sudden I've got, you know, the great Cameras outdoors with Adam Parr. Yeah. You got drone footage going over and I'm sitting there giving the finger like, Hey man, like a little privacy over here while I do the hangover technique on this log. Um, <laughs> not cool, man. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was gonna. I wanted to bring this up just because I thought I think a lot of people are familiar with like Bill Wenke, very popular bow hunter in Iowa. But I kind of stopped watching his stuff because I just felt like it was so boring to watch. And this doesn't really have much to do with like fair chase or anything like that. But it's just like entertainment value, and I would say like hunting satisfaction, even to like a personal level. But Wenke, all he seems to do is just put trail cameras all over his property and check them constantly until he can pattern a buck that way. And then he goes and sits a blind in its core area until he sees it and he shoots it. Mm-hmm. Not only is it boring as crap, in my opinion, to watch that day after day, but I just it's think there's going to be a lot less. No, it's, one, it's not relatable, but two, I'm saying even on Bill Winky's level, if it was me, I just wouldn't feel that much satisfaction for me. Like, yeah, I just, you know, basically kept taking photos of this deer until I knew exactly where he was going to be. And then I shot him yeah. as opposed to, Hey, say, you know, you did your summer scouting with some binoculars and you just sat some like, um, uh, what do you call them? Observation stands and kind of got an idea how deer were using the area. And then you kind of made in or, uh, made your move based on different sign you were seeing, you know, there was like a scrape area over here, you know, these were well-used trails, you know, a couple rubs. And so I set up in this area 
And lo and behold, this buck was using this area. Never seen him before. I shoot him. It's friggin' awesome, man. Like, I just feel like you're going to feel such a sense of satisfaction from that because you earned that buck based yeah. on your own abilities and your, your five senses as opposed to technology. Yeah. Just a thought for people to think about. Yeah. 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 It's all, all different levels. And, and you're right. Bill, uh, Winky, he is very analytical in his approach to hunting and, and that can get pretty, uh, plain Jane after a while, which is why I think, you know, the hunting public guys, I mean, I was watching some of their stuff last night. It's just very raw. It's very, uh, reading the signs, scouting, you know, public land. And, and that's, that's what makes me go. I mean, that's why me and you have, have done a number of public land trips. Like, yeah, we could afford a lease somewhere or buy some property and, and develop that all to a gill. But honestly, like for myself, I just, I love the one, the adventure and the, un, in the unknown, but two, just figuring it out all, all for that day, you know, for that week. I mean, and putting it all in on, on, on that and not, you know, scouting to the gills with cameras, not, um, you know, planning food plots and, you know, developing bedding areas. That stuff's all cool too. I mean, if I had my own property, I'd be doing all that, but like, it's just not the same level. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's way different. I don't know what you're saying, man. And I'm glad you mentioned the hunting public. Those guys are friggin' awesome. And you want to talk about hunters with skills, man, those guys have skills. I mean, they, uh, you know, they talk to, uh, the hunting beast, Dan Infault a lot. And he, uh, I think educated them quite a bit on finding buck beds. And in the last two years that they've had their little show, well, shoot before that, when they were on Bill's show, I mean, they, they stole a lot of viewers, I think from Bill, because these people were watching these guys and the things they were doing that anybody could do to your point, hunt public land and shooting these amazing bucks and having encounters. I mean, it's, it's been awesome watching them. So, yeah, I just think that their style of hunting can be so much more satisfaction. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Gosh, Agreed. I lost my train of thought. Well, yeah, that, a lot that, more pleasure in that. Yeah, and, you know, like, I'm not, like, throwing anybody under the bus here or whatever, but there's people like, let's say, the Drury's or the Lukoski's. I mean, you've got you, – you're basically – and, and that's just the – it's not right or wrong. I mean, it, it's, it's whoever – do whatever you wish, but it's, it's always in our nature as humans to constantly evolve and get better and build a better mousetrap and, and, and make things easier. But I think in hunting, we're getting to a certain point in all of this that it's just taking, taking it away. Like it's, we're slowly, it's not becoming hunting anymore, <laughs> but that brings me to like the, the whole, you know, luring of game and like manipulating movements. I mean, it's not necessarily technology, but like the whole world of food plots and developing bedding areas and hinge cutting. And I mean, shoot building fences or building certain like walls or piling up brush or whatever. I mean, it, it, it manipulates movements in a certain point, which was kind of one of our topics of kind of, you know, changing and, and luring game. Um, but there's that whole aspect of things, which is, which is interesting in and of itself. Nice segue. That was that was well done. I'm First, I didn't see what you were doing. That was a nice segue. But yeah, um, you know, decoys, lures, electronic callers is one that I think is really gonna um, make some vast changes here in the near future. I feel like guys aren't gonna have to understand how to do call, you know, use calls anymore. It's just gonna be all electronic, and they're just gonna have to press a button, and it'll do like a nice calling sequence for them, which. Aren't- 
Aren't electronic calls illegal in some states or all states or, or is it depend no, on the are species? They? I don't know. It I thought they be. were well, illegal. Well, I know like, um, I know varmints like coyotes. It's really big. Um, yeah. Maybe you're right. I guess I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I just I've never don't know tried about for them. deer and whatnot, but uh, I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. Either way, um, you know, point being is like, yeah, it might work. You know, decoys, lures, electronic collars are all great ways to get animals to come into close ranges, especially if you're using something like a bow or a crossbow, where you know you need probably within 30 yards to make a nice, reliable shot. But, um, you know, obviously it's, it's just something else you got to carry something else that can, that can, uh, have an error of some sort that you're not going to be able to use it. Um, and my main point of contention would be that it just takes less skill, um, in order to, to use one of those calls, even just a simple grunt tube, there's definitely some skill that needs to be acquired in order to use it. You need to understand what a deer's actually saying when it's grunting, um, kind of like when Adam uses it, it feels like it's just like one long belch, you know, it never really <laughs> seems to work, but uh, <laughs> I kid, but you know what I mean? Especially, you know, you Western guys, uh, like, uh, elk bugle tube, dude, that's, oh my gosh, yeah, the elk guys will tough. spend, they'll spend years trying to perfect an elk bugle, you know? Yep. Um, so I just think that you lose something if you're, you're allowing electronic calls, which, you know, to your point, maybe those are illegal, but even, uh, decoys, um, in certain instances, for example, pronghorn, I've never hunted pronghorn, but it seems like a decoy is an absolute game changer for an animal that's, you know, got some ridiculous senses and, and, uh, lives in country that's extremely wide open. So definitely an advantage there. Um, but obviously if you were able to kill a pronghorn without a decoy, definitely think, uh, once again, there's a higher level of satisfaction. There's more skill required, things like that. Um, I guess what I would say about a lot of this stuff is like, your beginner hunters, they're great tools for them to use in order to find some early success, right? Which we all know is tough when you're first starting out. Yep. And then when you become more seasoned, you'll probably naturally gravitate away from those things because you're looking for more of a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I didn't even think about that until you just brought that up. Like a big topic in the hunting world is that we are losing hunters, we're, which, you know, then we're losing conservation and uh you know the funding that that comes from licenses and tags and you know the industry that that you know hunting is and outdoor recreation i didn't even think about that because like you know obviously if we can get more people involved and a way to do that is maybe making it easier or a barrier to entry to maybe to to, to increase the odds of success it might get more people involved so now i'm like oh well is technology a good thing in that regard? Cause there's, there's that side of the spectrum. And then, and then for me, like with the, you know, bait, bait piles, for example, I mean, that's how I grew up hunting in Michigan, uh, throw out some corn and, and, and hunt over that. And that's a way a lot of people hunt. But as I get older, like you said, I, I wanted to evolve and, 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 and make it harder and kind of go make it more of a challenge. But there's also that side of today with a bait pile of like, is it helping with the spread of chronic wasting disease? So there's that, that whole dynamic. I'm just kind of like spitballing and ranting here, but like I'm thinking of different avenues too, that could affect uh, certain other things such as hunter recruitment with technology and or CWD with supplemental feeding or, or bait piles. It's, it's all interesting. Well, yeah, and you could have, 
you know, a lot of states have like a hunter apprenticeship program where you have to, if you, if you want to start hunting, you don't necessarily have to go through hunter safety. You can go with a licensed hunter for say two years. Maybe they could have similar rules with, um, with some of these, um, you know, whether it be a decoy or a call or whatever, you know, maybe you can use that for the first two years, you know, and then after that you can't, um, sort of like having training wheels on a bike, right? Like you're not going to throw a, a three-year-old on a bike and say, Hey, go learn how to ride this thing. I mean, I guess if you got a pretty tough dad, you might want to do that, but you're probably going to fall a few times and never want to ride the thing again. And, you know, the analogy obviously lends itself right into hunting where somebody goes out and the hunting sucks and they, can't get close to an animal for a couple of years they're probably going to give it up i mean i know what i probably would it's it's no fun if you're not seeing any animals and not shooting anything yeah comes down yeah. to it hunting is about getting a kill eventually right and yeah. we all talk about like oh that's not the point of hunting well it kind of is <laughs> otherwise you're on a nature hike you know you're, you're yeah. just hiking at that point or or bird watching i mean so yeah, yeah, I mean it's definitely something to think about, and yeah. I know everybody likes to talk about all the problems we're having recruiting new hunters. It's definitely an avenue we could go down to try to get them in. Yeah, well, that like I said, I, I wasn't even thinking about that, and and that's part of the problem with me sometimes is that I always try to I always think of it as oh I know this much, so I just assume everybody you know has been doing it for a while, so they they're kind of on the same level. But the one thing that we as 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 hunters or people that are more advanced we have to realize is that <laughs> we are losing um you know that battle as far as hunter recruitment and our population is is decreasing so i don't know this whole technology thing might be might be a good way to to get people more involved it's just is it legal is it ethical is it what you want to be considered as hunting i don't know we're just talking it's wild yeah we are just talking and once again <laughs> These are just our opinions. You probably won't agree with most of them, and that's fine. You know, that's what all discussions are about. But, you know, I struggle with that, though, not to get too far off topic, but the whole hunter recruitment thing, it's like, you know, I, I just got my first no uh, yesterday uh, as far as trying to acquire some more property. Uh gentleman was very nice about it but told me, you know, I wouldn't be able to, to hunt some property that's just down the road for me. And there's a large part of me that's like, gosh, dang it, there's too many freaking people hunting around here because where I'm at, everybody hunts and all the properties are already yeah. taken up. So, <laughs> I, know. I know, I'm torn on it. It'd yeah. be nice if there was less hunters and I just had more land to hunt, but at the same time, we're going to get slaughtered in the legislature and I might only be able to use the freaking Adelaide or something <laughs> because nobody wants you using anything else, so... Anyway, that's yeah. just something else. You know, like I said, complete. That'll be our next podcast. But um, <laughs> yeah, whole, whole well, I think those those numbers are. I think they're skewed too. I think they talked about that on the Meat Eater podcast. Like, there's more people like big game hunting, or you know, maybe in the the backcountry, or I don't know. There's more people kind of like kind of doing that activity, but there's less of kind of your weekend warrior uh, rabbit hunting, going out pheasant hunting. I don't know. There's, they talk about it a little bit, but, um, yeah, like there's still definitely a lot of hunters and, and it's very tough to get access, but, um, you know, from what I've heard or what I've read about the, the, it's definitely going down, but I, I do think there is some skewed statistics in the reporting of that. I don't know. I could be wrong on that too, but that's just my opinion. Well, plus there's just less land to hunt, you know, as, yeah. as time goes on, we're just going to develop more and more area and there's going to be less um available land to hunt and uh a point i've talked about this probably ad nauseum with my 
my brothers and friends, but my brother had a really good point one time. He said, we don't necessarily need to recruit more hunters. We need to recruit more educated, high, highly ethical hunters, which I would agree with. You know, we don't need more morons out in the woods. That's not what we need. <laughs> what we need are like people like you're talking about, man. These people that are super serious about it, um, that, that see it as a way of life that, um, that want to make sure that we're making decisions based on what's right for the masses and our future hunters, as opposed to what's right for me right now. Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about scent control for a bit. And, and I know, I know this is a, a pretty big one, but in, in Ozonics is a sponsor of, of Dan's podcast. So I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, ruffle too many feathers there, but like, what's your take on it? Like, for example, in Ozonics, and I think, uh, scent crusher, I think is coming out with their, their version of it, of like a, in, in the stand, in the blind ozone eliminator. But like, I don't know. I, for me, I, I don't have a problem with it necessarily, but I just, I don't use one or wouldn't want to use one because I just don't want to drag any more shit out to the tree. (laughs) I don't want another (laughs) thing to deal with. You know, I think that's part of my evolution of like, you got all these gadgets and you got all these things and to make it easier. But at what point are you, you know, uh, going too far and it's making it more of a hassle than anything. That's kind of where I'm at with that whole side of things. Um, but what's, what's your take on, on the ozone stuff? You had to throw in the whole sponsor thing, didn't you? <laughs> um, I guess I will preface this by saying, not That's saying fine, it should man. be illegal. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm. I'm not saying it should be illegal. I'm not saying it's wrong necessarily. It's just my opinion that I think it's too far, because you're bringing basically like an electronic machine with you to try to mask your scent. I just think that's probably a little too far. Um, but really, when it comes down to it. You know, if you want to use it, go for it. But I'm with you, man. It's one more thing I got to freaking carry. Um, you know, they're not super cheap. I wouldn't say they're super expensive either, but you know what I mean? It costs a good amount of money. And when I drop that thing from 20 feet up in a tree stand in a bus, like I'm going to be super irritated with myself. So <laughs> another reason, like you got to keep the batteries charged. Um, you know, there's, yeah, there's just too many things that could probably go wrong with me personally. Like I already carry a ton of stuff with me, mostly snacks because I'm a tree stand snacker, but, uh, yeah, I, that's kind of where I stand on it. But, you know, if someone else wants to use one, I don't think it's all that big of a deal. Um, I guess I, I'll go ahead and say this because some people may call me a hypocrite and I'll just call myself out, which is sort of hypocritical. I actually have a full-on setlock suit with uh, base layers, uh, gloves, and a, uh, what do you call it, head garment that you wear across. Yep. So basically everything I wear out to the stand is setlock. And I understand that Setlock isn't exactly caveman technology, right? It's very new, sort of high tech, using um, carbon technology. To, what is it? Ad adsorb, not absorb. Adsorb uh, your scent. Um, so I get that I'm sort of hypocritical about it, but I guess I would say the main reason I use that over Lysonix is, like I said, just ease of use. But even that, gosh, I just sorry, I keep thinking of new things. Even it's not really that easy because I have to keep it all in totes. I've got to keep it in air kite airtight containers. Um, I have to dress in the field, you know, make sure that you're not, uh, contaminating it. Yeah. That's a lot of work too. So like I said, take all that with a grain of salt because I definitely use newer technology. So, 
Yeah, what up? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I really didn't answer your question. I kind of just bounced all over the place because, like I said, I, I struggle with this stuff too, man. I don't know where to draw the line with myself all the time. And In fact, probably three or four years ago, I would have told you you're cheating if you're using Scentlock, but then I got sick and tired of being winded by everybody, and so I switched it up. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it is the evolution, and, and what, what I, as you were talking, I was kind of envisioning, you know, like what the difference is as far as, Let's say, I mean, we've clearly defined for, for hunting seasons, uh, rifle to archery or, you know, gun to, to bow essentially, right? Like that's, you're still, you're in a category of weapon or method of take, but we've clearly designated, you know, different seasons for rifle hunting and different seasons for archery. And we've, and we've designated different seasons for even crossbow in some states and whether, whether, whether or not they are involved, uh, allowed on for a hunting season during bow season. So like from the weapon side, we have drawn the line in the sand. We say, Oh, you can't use a rifle during bow season. And, and, um, you know, we've, we've made that, that legislation has been put in place for, for every state basically. Right. I wonder if we're going to get to a certain point in time where it's like, all right, from from this date to this date, you can use your cell cameras and your ozone and your, you know, GPS site, but you know that's going to be after archery season or whatever. Do you, do you think we'll ever get to that point where there's like certain things allowed? Because there is a little bit of that with like baiting and supplemental feeding. Like in Iowa, you can't use anything. Uh, during season, but you can bait and supplemental feed up until up until hunting season. Do you think we'll get to, to some of that stuff with like the technology side of things? Does that make Tough sense? Say, I kind of rambled, but yeah, no, I understand what, what you're saying? saying, but yeah, I don't think you're going to have special seasons for it. I think it's either going to be illegal or legal. And I mean, if we stay along these same lines, if there's a machine that you can stick above your head that completely eliminates your scent, it's still not going to guarantee that an animal is going to walk by, right? Like you're yeah. definitely eliminating its most powerful sense, but it's not guaranteeing any. So I don't know. I, I see what you're saying. I definitely think there's probably going to come a day where they're like, all right, like you basically have like a suit that completely contains your sense. They can't smell you. And then you have this deer whistle that you blow and the deer come <laughs> running in. Like it's too far. You know, we can't be having this. Like you, and you, you have an invisible your first... shield that you spray on yourself that makes you invisible for five hours. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. You can move all over the place if you want <laughs> and your tree stand doesn't creak at all. And you're an expert <laughs> shot now. I mean, there's definitely the, the pace of technology is such that there's definitely going to become a point where we're going to have to say, okay, enough is enough. You can't use this atom. I don't care how many deer you've missed. No, I can't use my rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Side note, I've been trying to learn the uh, Turdy Point Buck song. And, man, I love that line where he says in there, I'm going to butcher it. But he says, I couldn't get to my grenades. My howlitzer was in the shop. <laughs> Stomach was tied into a monkey knot. And he says, Betty Lou is the one. A combination AK-57. AK-57. Uzi radar, laser guided, 
triple scope double no triple barrel double scope heat seeking shotgun and i just like <laughs> bust up every time i hear that because just the image in my head of just this giant monstrosity of a weapon so yeah i think they're going to start rest- restricting things just like they restricted uh in michigan you know not being able to use rifles that was probably yeah. more of a safety thing but um yeah. at the same time i think you, you're going to have to start restricting it so you can't be shooting deer from a thousand yards away so anyway i rambled too so don't feel bad but i guess what i'm saying is yes i do think eventually you're gonna to have to start restricting uh apparel guns all of it any kind of new technology that probably goes too far yeah yeah for sure now um we kind of touched on like the scent control or whatever um you know as far as like for accessories and and weapon accessories the biggest one in the last year has been that garmin site right for your bow that has the built-in gps or not gp <laughs> range finder right <laughs> you are here thank you thank you site <laughs> gps would be cool too maybe they'll come out with that next they have a watch right um but yep. uh the the zero site and in some st- like in Colorado, it's not illegal, but in some states, it is considered to to be um, legal and and used as uh, a method of take on your bow. What's what's your whole take on that? Like the whole like because uh, obviously rangefinders are legal in every state. Now this rangefinder has just been put into your site. It doesn't necessarily change that whole aspect of things. It just changes maybe the movement or the time it takes to range an animal. What's your take on the whole uh, site issue? Yeah, for this one, I actually don't see that much of a difference between you know having a rangefinder in your pocket that you pull up and you range right before you take the shot, as opposed to having it right on the site. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a little easier to use when it's right on the site, but um, if anything, it's going to give you a super accurate reading right before you take a shot, which is probably more likely going to give you a better chance of hitting that animal lethally and therefore, you know, giving it a nice quick death. Um, yeah, this one, I don't really have too much of a problem with definitely yeah. can see its advantages and I don't really see too much of a, a knock on it. Like I said, it's not drawing deer in anymore. It's not like it's giving you any kind of unfair advantage. If anything, well, I guess it is a little more of an unfair advantage, but but really, I, I am all for anything that makes more ethical kills, which I think this would do. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that on that standpoint. You're not attracting. You're not making it easier to find game. You're not um, affecting any movements per se, but it is helping you make a more ethical uh, shot because I mean we've all been there, right? Like your deer's coming through and you've got a matter of seconds to make that decision of whether you're going to shoot or not. And we've all been in the scenario. You're trying to fumble with your rangefinder, You're trying to get a, get a hit. And by that time he's out of your lane or gone or, you know, Oh, he's, he's still in the lane, but it's kind of iffy cause I waited too long or didn't have enough time. And you know, you could potentially put a bad shot on. I I'm with you there. As long as, as long as it's not used in a standpoint of like, because it does have the digital screen, right? Like it's as long as it's not used to a standpoint of like hunting at night or, and I think that's where the issue lies is like, it could be used to take game after hours. Cause you got lighted pins essentially. Um, 
I don't I don't have a big issue with it though. That's that, but that's my take. Yeah, that's almost separate though, because my site that I have actually has lighted pins, and um, they're I don't know, I don't think they're illegal in Michigan, but they're illegal in some of the other states we've hunted in. So I actually disabled that portion yeah. of it. Yeah, that, that's pretty obvious. Like you said, you're kind of getting unfair advantage um, after shooting light, still be able to take shots and stuff. So yeah, I think that's a little separate, but but yep, I agree with you. Yeah, it's just it's just weird how like some states do draw the line. Like Colorado's very very active, which I had Colorado Bow Hunters Association on the podcast, and and uh, they're very good. I mean, they advocate for for bow hunters, and um, they've they've done a lot for the community of Colorado and, you know, our hunting heritage here. And they're very, uh, they do allow Luminox, uh, in Colorado or lighted knocks, but you know, anything electronic of, of, uh, sites or lights or the zero Garmin site, they don't allow it here. And they've had a big, uh, voice in that. And, uh, I don't know. I just think it's weird that like some States do allow it and some don't. It's not, it's definitely not a black and white issue. There's a lot of gray areas there. Yeah, you, you wish that some of these organizations like QDMA, what is it, BHA, Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, anyway, if they could all kind of get together and kind of come up with a, a national sort of council um, and kind of have a lot of these rules be across state lines, um, I think that'd be kind of nice just because it gets difficult, man, you know, going to different states and trying to understand, okay, what can I and can I use? And I don't know. It'd be nice if they could all kind of come into alignment. And at the same time, I understand that some people think, you know, states should be able to come up with their own rules because, you know, they're in charge of governing their own state. I see that point as well. But from a hunter standpoint, going across state lines, it'd be nice if just, you know, whether or not you can use lighted sites or pins. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, let's, um, Let's talk a little bit on accessibility because I deal with this on a daily basis with Quiet Cat and the whole e-bike world. And there's a lot of controversy around electric bikes as well, which is part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast. Oh, you think you can just hang up on me, huh? See? Technology let me down. <laughs> just like you've been talking about. That's why we shouldn't use it. See? <laughs> no more technology. Completely eliminate it. Make it all legal. <laughs> so where were we? Joey just dropped off the phone because his Bluetooth died. So we're we're switching over here to his cell phone. And uh, but we were talking. About, how much did you hear? We were talking about e-bikes, right? Yeah, I heard you talking about how you work for an e-bike company, and so how you don't have anything bad to say about them, and everybody should go out and buy themselves a nice. <laughs> Quiet cat. Yeah, if you quiet guys need cat. a quiet cat, call me. Give me, uh, shoot me a note. I'll hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like you know, part of the reason of of doing this podcast as well is like I'm immersed in that whole you know hunting technology thing because I work for an e-bike company that sells to hunters, and you know I've oft, often thought about it as well, and and we get it all the time. You'll see it on our. <laughs> Facebook comments or whatever. It's like, oh, you guys are lazy or that's cheating. You should just walk. And, um, you know, there's there's definitely that standpoint um, as well. And then, then, then you get into a lot of, like, different regulations and laws and how these bikes are classified. And I actually plan on doing a podcast just on e-bikes and, and like, the law side of things. Um, but, like, there's, there's, they're so new 
and not just in hunting, but like in a lot of aspects of just like riding trails or riding them on the streets or whatever and how they're classified. So you get into that whole, whole thing as well. But like, as far as e-bikes go, I mean, it's definitely an advantage. It's, it's something that allows you to access areas that, you know, you couldn't get to as quick or you couldn't get to, um, you know, without exerting as much energy. So there's that whole aspect as well, as far as accessibility, um, and using technology that way to pursue animals. What's, what's your whole take on it? All right. I don't care if you work for quiet cat, I'm going to be completely (laughs) honest. Go for it. I thought that everything you're talking about from people online, I thought, man, people are so freaking lazy nowadays. Everybody just wants the easy way. You know, it's just like, Oh, they need an electric bike to carry them in the field. Cause they're your typical fat, lazy American that's <laughs> eating fried mayonnaise balls and, you know, <laughs> sitting on their couch and they're like, Oh, it's hunting season. Let me jump on my motorized scooter and take me to my stand and sit there with my high powered rifle and shoot them. I thought all those things, I thought they were a little pricey, I thought all of those things up until you brought them with us on our trip last year when we went out of state and they are freaking awesome. I, I say that like I am completely unbiased. Yeah, I know Adam works for Quiet Cat, but I have no affiliation with him other than I know the owners. They're pretty cool guys. But anyway, uh, those things are freaking awesome, dude. I mean, Adam and I were jumping on the logging roads and heading in a mile within just a few minutes. But the thing people don't understand is it's not like we rode those bikes right to our stands. It's like we would ride those bikes, yeah, a mile in, but then we would still go, I don't know. I think you were probably another half mile in on top of that, that one stand, not to mention you had to go over two pretty tall ridges, you know, just to get to that stand. So does it make it easier? Yes. Does it spoon feed the animals to you? No, not by any means. And, you know, it's not like you can ride these, uh, bikes over, you know, giant logs or blowdowns and things like that. So there's still, um, areas you can't get to, but, um, from a pure standpoint of being able to have, uh, accessibility to a lot more land than you probably normally have. They're awesome. Um, I think honestly, a lot of those comments are just coming from guys that can't afford them. That's my take. So, it's probably going to tick some people off, but, uh, yeah, it's just like, I feel like if everybody had the money and you were able to use them, why wouldn't you, you know, why wouldn't you want to get to every single spot that you possibly could? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was actually just interviewed on a podcast, um, recently about quiet cat, a guy wanted to have quiet cat on the show. So I, I did the interview, but, um, you know, what I explained to him is that it's a, and with all of these products, it's an efficiency thing. We're all, we're all strapped for time. We all lead busy lives. We're balancing work. We're balancing families. We're, we're trying to, um, get ahead. You know, it's, we're, we're constantly, we're, we're working a lot more. We're, we're, we have so many things going on. We're connected in different ways. There's so much shit going on that, and I think that's part of the reason why hunter recruitment is going down. It's just, it's one, it's more money. And, and two, it takes a lot of time. And in all these things that we're talking about, including quiet cat, including, you know, trail cameras, including, um, you know, Garmin sites, it's, it's making us more efficient hunters. And, um, 
I don't know. That's just what I was trying to explain to him and, and, and what my take was on it. Uh, I definitely think there's some legal things to be considered. Like, for example, on, on BLM and Forest Service lands, they, can, they classify electric bikes as a motorized vehicle, the same as a four-wheeler, a side-by-side, a Jeep. Um, they, they consider an e-bike the exact same um, motorized vehicle as those loud gas-powered, you know, uh, rutting. You, you, you got a lot more power. You're rutting stuff up potentially, uh, more weight, more, more impact. They consider those the same as an e-bike. Um, I don't personally view it that way. E-bikes are so, they're definitely powerful, but they're so low power that they don't, uh, tear up any grounds. They don't, um, make any noise. They're not much heavier than a normal bike. Uh, in a lot of aspects, when you're going up steeper terrain, you do have to pedal if you're going up some really steep stuff, but, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't have an issue with them. I wish, I wish there was some changes in how they were viewed and, or, um, some legislation and policy around them, because I do think it would help a lot more people get into the back country or continue hunting. I mean, we talk to every people every day of the week that call in and be like, Oh, you know, I can't, I can't hunt like I used to, cause I can't walk. And if I ride my four wheeler in, I, uh, I hate, uh, I spook all the deer and I hate to sound like a quiet cat ad, but that's the reality. And again, it all comes down to, uh, what you see as, as ethical in your mind or what, what you're comfortable with in your pursuit of hunting. And I think for me, if it's, as long as it's not, I think technology is fine in a lot of ways, as long as it's not affecting movement of game or location of game i think that's kind of what our we're boiling down to here but if it's assisting you maybe in being more efficient with your time or uh being more efficient and how you get things done and assisting and being a better hunter uh to the animal or more ethical to the animal i think that's i think that's the big line in the sand here i know i just tangented <laughs> Tangented. I don't tangented. think that's a word. Is that a word? Uh, I don't think tangented. I, think I just went, I on, a went on a tangent. Yes. Yeah, I think that's right. But anyway, uh, my point to all that would be, what's the difference between a mountain bike and an electric bike, other than the obvious fact that the electric bike is battery-powered, right? But as far as rutting up roads and things like that, it's no different than a mountain bike, right? Yeah. Um, and if you truly believe that these bikes are somehow – Oh, ruining the landscape or whatever. Okay, well then just have designated trails. Like we were on logging roads, right? We never took our the bikes off from logging roads when we were there. Okay, so you only can be on these designated trails if you're going to use bikes or e-bikes. Yeah. Um, and then I thought you had a great point about you know there's certain people that don't have the um, the same physical abilities that they used to, and to some people would say, well, yeah, but you know that's just um, kind of you know they can still hunt the lands. They can't just go as far in. I've got like a 67 year old dad who's still in pretty good shape, who was hiking up and down hills with us when we were out there, but there's no way he's going to be able to hike a mile in. Mm-hmm. But because we had a quiet cat, you know, we were able to, to throw him on that and he zoomed right in and, you know, he can still kind of bum, <laughs> bumble up and down these hills and then literally threw him out of there. there. <laughs> well, yeah, we literally we threw, him, threw him, on him on the back. On there. 
<laughs> my uh yeah we, we went uh <laughs> we went uh two for on a, on a one-seater quiet cat <laughs> oh that's too oh good. man maybe that could be the uh the picture you throw up boy that was a lot of fun actually we got a video somewhere too of that yeah i took a video not recommended not hilarious. recommended hilarious but yeah i mean that's but, that's the whole thing in in you know like getting hunter we go back to hunter recruitment or um you know, d- disabilities. I mean, that's why crossbows are legal in some states if you have a dis- disability. Like, yeah, of course. Like, I don't, I don't want to exclude anybody. The you know that can't get out there and 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 draw back a bow. Like, of course, you know they should be able to hunt. Um, of course, you know somebody should be able to ride a four wheeler in if if they're in a wheelchair. You know, of course they should be able to use an e bike because I want them to have the same experiences as me, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, I think e-bikes is definitely, definitely a hot topic as far as the accessibility goes, but I think where it boils down, uh, to me and where I stand on it is it's not assisting in the locating of game and, uh, and that whole aspect. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. We literally rode by, I don't know if you remember, we literally rode by, I think it was three does on the way back the one morning. And I think they basically didn't move at all until we got to about 30 yards away from them because, like I said, we we're following a logging road and it led us right next to them. And they eventually just kind of, I don't know, they ran off a little bit, but they basically just watched us because they had no idea what to make out of us. Yep. And yep. then compare that to if we were to just been tromping out, I mean, those deer would have been flying out of there. So, yep. yeah, I definitely don't think it affects wildlife. I mean, those things are dead quiet. There's a reason they call them quiet cat. Quiet cat. Um, <laughs> It's, it's like I said, it's just like having a mountain bike, basically. I mean, those batteries are dead quiet. And gosh, now I sound like I'm in a freaking quiet cat ad. Trust <laughs> me, I'm, I'm not sponsored by them at all. I don't even have one. But I'm paying you. Yeah, you, know, if you have the money. The like I said, it's a, it's a very cool tool. And um, like I said, even if you don't, you can't afford a quiet cat. Then you, should, I think you should get a mountain bike because once again, it's just going to give you the ability to get to areas you probably wouldn't be able to. So yeah, a little quicker for sure. Yep. Yep. And, uh, what's, what's your whole take on, so we'll transition here to kind of more of the mapping and, and GPS side of things and, and really the use of cell phones, right? Cause like in Kansas where, where we've hunted a number of times, according to the, and this might be true of all States too, but like you can't use the aid of an electronic device as far as like texting or calling to aid in a kill of the deer. I word that right. Like essentially you can't, you can't text your buddy and say, Hey, like there's a buck coming down this draw. You should probably get ready. Right. But you know, that happens all the time. Uh, like (laughs) where, what's your take on that? And, And then you, and then you get into like, um, you know, on X maps, which I think is a great, a great tool, a great software. It it's, it's opening up access or, you know, getting more hunters into the field. And, and, and for the legal issue, knowing, you know, if you're on public or private or not, where you might not know the boundaries, but you know, now you can use that technology to send a pin location. You know, you can say, Hey, this is where I'm at, or this is, this is where you should hunt. And you can send them a pin literally right to that location. And I don't know. Is that, is that drawing the line, like communicating real time to where you're at, where you should be 
um, through the use of apps and, and, and texting and your cell phone? Like what's, what's your whole deal on that? So as with a lot of these topics, I think you got to draw the line somewhere. And I personally think that you got to draw the line at using, um, whether it be a walkie talkie or a cell phone or whatever device in order to locate game and, you know, direct someone right to where, you know, the animal is sitting. I think that's probably too far. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, I don't know specifically each individual states, but I know a lot of states have made that illegal just because of the influx of cell phones, but just using on X to pinpoint locations. I don't know why anybody would have an issue with that. I mean, when we were out in Kansas, we ran into a, that nice fellow from Louisiana that um, was kind of showing us just some different areas that he had been to that we hadn't uh, just kind of explaining to us, you know, what they kind of look like. Um, and we weren't even using on X for the most part. We just had an old fashioned map out and he was kind of pointing out, you know, this is a bean field this year. And, you know, there's some nice thick bedding cover over here. Um, you know, that, that goes back way before uh, cell phones. And now it's just a lot easier with on X uh, to kind of yeah send you pinpoints and stuff like that and say, Hey, this is a really good spot. Um, yeah. So that's my kind of take on it. And I tell you what, talk about a game changer. I was just going to say that when we went to Kansas the first time, um, we were using our phones to identify both Weeha and public land, you know, your traditional public land out there. And, you know, basically my brother was driving. I was in the um, passenger seat. My dad was in the back and I was just telling him, Hey, well, okay, two miles up here, there's going to be another piece on our right. And we might look at it and go, yeah, that piece sucks. Like it's just six inches of graphs. So, okay. On to the next piece. And my dad, you know, who's 67, he's been out this whole life was just blown away at how easy it was for me to tell my brother where the next piece of public was and to drive right up to it. As opposed to even 10 years ago, you would have had to get out a map, you know, sit there and say, okay, where's the public even at? And you probably would have had to stop at some sort of a Rangers type station to get that information. I mean, it has completely changed the game on accessibility as far as finding land to hunt. So in that regard, it's huge for us hunters. And we keep talking about hunter recruitment. I think it, it is huge for people trying to get into hunting because it's so much easier to find land to hunt on. Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. My whole thing is like, we're at the very, we're, I mean, in, in retrospect, I mean, if we look at a timeline of, of this earth or in a, in a spectrum of, of millions of years that, you know, life has, has been around, I mean, really this whole technology of, of, of cell phones and internet and all of this stuff is, is relatively new. I mean, within the last 10 to depending on what it is, 30 years, let's say, um, like, don't you think in the future, like as far as like Onyx Maps and Google Earth, like the satellite technology is going to get so advanced and like these basically don't, I, this is the way I see it, but I think at some point we're going to have the ability to see like real time video whenever we want. Like if you want to zoom in on a house or you want to zoom in on a woodlot, uh, through Google earth or Onyx maps, I think that technology is eventually going to be there. And what you do with that technology is going to be one thing, but I envision us being able to zoom in on a freaking deer 20 years from now out in a field through an app. What, what's, do you, do you see that or do you, do you, do you not? I don't know, Bill Nye. You just gave me a whole history <laughs> lesson on 
you know, from the, the dawn of time all the way to the last 30 years. I don't, I don't even know, man. You just blew my mind. I'm having trouble keeping up. Um, yeah, I definitely think you're right with satellites and everything. Eventually you're going to be able to get real time aerial views and stuff. Um, actually kind of scares me because you want to talk about like privacy, getting rid of, well, privacy, but I'm just talking about from a hunting standpoint. I really don't care about my personal privacy. People want to <laughs> see me taking a leak in my backyard, feel free. Uh, but when it comes to hunting, it's just kind of sad that, you know, in the future, people are probably going to be looking for that kind of technology. Yeah. It brings you back to the same question I keep asking. Is that really hunting? I mean, you're just taking a view of where the animal is. You're going to run out and shoot it. You might as well just raise animals in your backyard Eventually, when the time comes, you walk out and shoot them. I don't see the difference there. So, um, yeah, yeah, technology can be scary in some sorts. Like we were talking about all the great things it does for us now, but it definitely can can take take away from a lot of enjoyment that you could probably get without it. Yeah, it's tough because you know this is the world we live in, and it's it's we the society has evolved and. Um, there's no kind going of, back. Yeah, yeah, and and you know if you look at today versus twenty years ago, oh shit, you know you guys are you guys are cheating with those compound bows or those those new cams that have eighty percent, ninety percent let off. I mean that's that's cheating. The compound I had to pull back was fifty pounds and with ten percent let off. You know, like they like we're gonna look back on this twenty years from now and be like, oh man, that was. That was so old school, right? In every in every aspect of everything, but are we at the point now in in our kind of timeline of 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 evolution where we're going we're going too far? I don't know. Like it seems it seems to be that way, but in twenty years we're like ah fuck that was so hard to kill a deer back then that we had to actually you know go out to your stand and and sit there. Now you here in twenty fifty we can just watch him from across the field on my phone and, you know, go out there when I'm, I know he's, he's there. I don't know. I, I think well, it's just or you what's just accepted. Sit at your computer and sit at your computer and you send a robot out, right? That's got a <laughs> gun and a scope and you just look at the video and you just kind of like, you know, position it with your little joystick and then pull the trigger and then the robot will go grab the deer and drag it back. And, yeah, man. About that. But it's funny when you're, what's that? I didn't even think about like AI and like robots and stuff, but, that could definitely be a potential. Yeah, I could see it coming, but you know, when you were talking about, uh, you know, the older old timers saying, Oh, you guys need a new fancy compound bows. I couldn't help but go back in time. Another history lesson when, uh, you know, the pilgrims first got here and they were showing the Indians, you know, their guns and black powder. I mean, they weren't sitting there calling them wussies, you know, going, ah, oh, you guys aren't killing these animals, right? You really need to shoot them with a bow. Heck no. They were saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. Like what will you trade? for yeah. that gun that goes bang and all of a sudden, you know, my effective range just at least doubled. Yeah. You know, they just thought it was amazing. And so, yeah, it is kind of weird when you think about we're, we're to a point now where we're, <laughs> we're having to, you know, pull back the reins on technology a little bit and say, Whoa, Nelly, let's, let's try to like <laughs> slow this thing down. It's getting a little too easy on us. It's just kind of funny. That's where we're at as a, as a society. Things are getting too easy. Yeah, and I think it changes things when you're hunting for survival or for food. You know, where like that's your that's your well, yeah, needs of survival, right? But today, like things are so advanced, and 
the way we can get food and whatever, like to most people hunting is a hobby. It's a, it's something fun to do that we all love, but none of us necessarily need to depend on it for our livelihood as far as like gathering food and just like your basic, you know, need for survival. Um, you know, so like that's, I think where we're, we're drawing the line is like, it's, it's not necessarily a means of life and death. It's something fun. Um, you know, and there's a lot of different parties involved. I mean, it's the animals, it's a legal, um, aspect. It's your moral aspect. It's like so many different things. It's just, it's just wild, man. I can't comprehend it all. I'm just, I'm just a guy talking with a, with a mediocre shitty podcast. <laughs> and thank you once again to the five people who are actually listening to this. Adam really appreciate all you guys appreciates all you guys support. Hey, that makes me think of a story. You were talking about we don't really need to hunt, you know, in order to eat. And I was thinking Adam doesn't really need to hunt in order to eat because he picks up roadkill. So a quick story for those listening. Uh, I talked to Adam. I think it was two uh, two years ago. He gives me a call, and it was like I think January. Yeah, it was January because he was between houses, and Adam goes on a <laughs> tour of different um, expos in January and February, so he's never home for at least two months. So rather than get a new apartment, he figured he would stay in an old trailer out behind his work and run an extension cord out to it. And on top of that, that he tells awesome. me that on. After work, someone gave him a call and said that they had just hit a mule deer. And Adam said, hold on, I'll be right there. Drove over, picked up the roadkill mule deer, which don't get me wrong, I think is awesome. But literally drugged that sucker back and butchered it outside of his trailer. So he was literally living in a trailer out in an alley eating roadkill. So I just hope that that helps paint a better picture of your said podcast host. That's who I really am. Honestly, like I, I think about that all the time because like I did live in a camper for a little bit. But it was like it was freaking awesome. Like I think about it like it was simple. You know, everything was just everything was just different. It was, it was cool, but yes, I did. I did pick up a, a roadkill deer. It's not the first time I've done that either. I think it's, I think it's the right thing to do, you know, uh, and you do it legally and, uh, cops came down and, and dispatched it and I got a tag for it and Hey, didn't go oh, to waste. Geez, screw that, man. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I got a story of my own. I have, I have never picked up a roadkill deer, but I severely watched it. And, uh, I was with my mother-in-law and my wife. And we were going somewhere, it was the dead of winter, and we drove by somewhere I had been the night before, and there was a roadkill deer. And I said, oh, man, that wasn't there the night before, so I knew it was relatively fresh. And I said, if we come back and that deer is still there, I'm picking it up. And they thought I was joking, <laughs> and I looked at them square in the eye and said, no, I'm serious. I'm going to pick that deer up. And we were only gone like 15, 20 minutes. We came back, and the deer was gone. And so that made me pretty happy that someone actually snagged it before I could. Or somebody dragged it off the road further. And uh, through no, no, it was in a spot you could easily see it. It was no, well, I guess they could have, yeah, picked it up and you know, chucked it somewhere, but I don't know. I like to think somebody picked it up and ate it, Adam. That's what I like to think, (laughs) yes, yes. Well, um, yeah, I mean, lots of good conversation here, and and like to reiterate that I don't, I'm not saying what's right or what's wrong, I guess, as long as it's legal you know, to the book and you're comfortable with it, then by all means go for it. I just, I just thought it'd be cool to kind of highlight some of these things and, you know, talk about it 
it's not necessarily Western focused, I guess, but it was, it was just cool to, to kind of chat about all these things. Cause it's, it's not going away and it's something that's going to be at the forefront of hunting. And there's a lot of, a lot of parties involved. So it's been, it's been pretty fun. Yeah, with your Western focus, how come you're always ripping on the East Coast guys nowadays, you know? You guys are little Midwestern deer hunters. Yeah, you guys think you're all better than us. Just because you get to hike around the mountains and chase, you know, elk around. We are better than you. But, uh, you know what? It wasn't that long ago. You were me. So, I mean, literally, you were me because I live in your old house now, and I hunt the same land that you used to. So. But yeah, I was listening to your whitetail one, and it's like you kept apologizing the whole time to everybody. Like, oh, guys, I'm sorry, we're talking about whitetails, you know, those stupid little rats that run around that anybody can shoot. We're not talking about anything cool, like elk. I'm just sitting there thinking the whole time, like, why does he keep apologizing? Like, there's more whitetail hunters in this country than any other animal. Well, I I did ask, like, my podcast is supposed to be more Western-focused, so I try to keep it that way. Oh, jeez. And that's why you got five people with you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot, man, this has been fun. Any, any last, any last words on the whole modern evolution of hunting and technology? Uh, do what makes you happy, but be sure you're not screwing up somebody else's hunt and make sure it's legal. And just think about why you do things, I guess. As I get older, I just think a lot more about why am I doing the things that I do and maybe should I change them? Should I have an op- more of an open mind about some of this stuff? Just, just think about those things. Um, but yeah, have some fun and thanks for having me. I can only imagine that, um, you know, with it being close to the Christmas holidays that, uh, you really having to scrape the bottom of the barrel for podcast guests, which is why I'm <laughs> back. So, uh, I apologize to anybody who had to listen to this, but, uh, it's been fun. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man, we'll we'll have to have you back on soon, and we need to get you out here for an elk hunt. What the hell, man? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, just had to buy a brand new outdoor wood boiler, and I've got an eleven month old son, so I've got bills and a lack of time. But we'll see what we can do about that. I know um, at least two of my brothers are heading out uh, somewhere that way this fall, so we'll see if we can't make it happen. Sweet man. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man, and we'll we'll talk at you later. Yeah, you take care. All right, and there we go. Another episode in the books. Thanks again to Joe Wilson. Thanks for coming on the show, man. I had a great time talking with you. Hopefully, you guys, <laughs> no one got too pissed off during that conversation. We were just BSing. We are just kind of talking real talk there, just seeing, you know, what where we see the, the hunting industry going with technology and the use of it in certain applications and kind of how things are, are changing. You know, we're always looking for the next mousetrap. We're always looking for ways to improve our experience and to be more successful. And technology certainly has a part of that. And, you know, are there going to be different changes? Are there going to be different regulations? Will things be managed differently down the road? I don't know. It's just kind of fun to talk about. So hope you guys enjoyed that. If you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can go to sportsmansnation.com, search Sportsman's Nation on pot, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And then if you like what you're hearing, leave that five-star review. It would be much, much appreciated. If you're planning on hunting in Colorado for elk in 2019, make sure you go to transitionwild.com, subscribe. I will send you the beginner Colorado elk hunting guide for free. 
And if you're interested in booking a badass spot to stay with a serious advantage for a really, really good price, hit me up, adam at transitionwild.com or fill out the contact form on my website, title the message or the email, hunt camp, and we can talk and get you kind of squared away if you're if you're looking to book a stay with us there at Lifetime Adventures in Southwest Colorado. All right, that is enough. Thanks again to our sponsor, Heads Up Decoy. Check them out at headsupdecoy.com. Hope you guys are having a great year so far. Everything's off to a good start. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.